Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Den Talks podcast is powered by denanywhere.com. You guys go to denanywhere.com now, no matter where you live in the world, and you can take our classes virtually and live. Go to denanywhere.com and sign up for just $29.99 a month. You get a limited access to our classes with over 150 a month to choose from. Plus, most of them are archived. So if you can't make the exact time, you can catch them later. We still also have our workshops and our certifications now all accessible to you no matter where you are. Go to denanywhere.com. Sorry for the interruption, guys, but I wanted to talk about this amazing course that's coming up. It is a happiness course, and it starts October 1st, and it goes for seven Thursdays in a row. It's with Jamie Wozni teaching, and during this time, I think we could all use some in-depth happiness. So again, seven weeks in a row, starting Thursday, October 1st at 6 p.m. Again, that's 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, but you can be anywhere in the world to take this. It is virtual. It is through denanywhere.com. So wherever you are in the world, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Thursdays, join us. Go to denanywhere.com to sign up. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. Today we have Boy Fajimi on. I love this episode because A, it's a slight departure of what we normally do. Um, But where it's not a departure is this is a guy who had a vision, did something really early in life based on seeing a hole in what was necessary and what he felt the world and the community needed. And he created this incredible community and then watched it grow and evolve. So what he did, he was a Nigerian who actually moved to Minnesota at age three, which is pretty incredible, grew up there and then decided to escape the cold a little bit, wanted to chase the American dream and move to Los Angeles. Very quickly, he saw what was necessary to kind of make it work in LA, what was necessary to also, you know, really be part of it. And that was community. And so he created a community called the Future Party. And he admits it himself, in the beginning, it was kind of just parties. But he knew that it took 
you know, relationships and respect of one another and actually knowing people to really help you move forward. These were the people that you'd end up making deals with. These are the people that when you needed something would help you out and give you the information or the knowledge that you needed. And as he grew, it grew as well because he realized, hey, how can we grow with this so it's not just parties? And it became about innovation. It became about information and it became about growth. And now with over 10,000 members, not only do they still do events, but he has an incredible newsletter that goes out every single day with information and news with their twist, really from his generation's point of view. It's about innovation. It's about how do you do things differently? How can you move your career forward? He's doing really incredible stuff. And what I love that we talk about is how do you have this balance of creation? How do you have this balance of freedom? How do you have this balance of all of this with work, with creation, with actually with success? And so that's an interesting topic that I think everyone can relate to. And also if you're looking to reinvent yourself, just the idea of what do you feel that you can contribute and how can you turn that into a business? At the end, we actually get into race. And I love that part of the conversation. So make sure you stick it through or at least come back and listen to it and go onto our Dent Talks podcast page and let us know what you think. Um, I think he's great and I'm really proud of everything he's doing and I'm happy that we had him on here. How do you pronounce your last name? Fajimi. So Boye Fajimi. Fajimi. What kind of, what kind of name is that? Uh, it's Nigerian. Ooh. Fajimi. And what does it mean? So my full name is Ade Boye. Um, and my first name, and it means crowned at birth. Um, Fajimi is down this deep, dark hole of tribes and, you know, all that jazz in Nigeria. So, um, yeah. Where were you born? In Nigeria. Oh, you um, are? Yeah. Um, I was born in a city called Ibadan, which is like central Nigeria, towards the south a little bit. Um, yeah. And then how long did you live there? Three. So I came to the States when I was three, grew up in Minnesota. Whoa. Yeah. Quite a difference. <laughs> yeah. They're so similar, right? <laughs> what, um, what, what was the move? Like who, what was the impetus? Yeah. Um, my mom is a genius and she got a job at the Mayo Clinic, which was founded in Rochester, Minnesota. And so she was doing biochemistry research um, for uh, the clinic. And so it was just her and I at the time and just brought us over a little journey to the States. <laughs> oh, Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, cold. Yeah, I definitely had my fair share of cold, snowy, snow days, shoveling, all that jazz. But how did you do, like, as a child, like, how did you do with that? Because, like, even though you were only three, you still physically know the difference honestly like it was fun it was fine you know you could just put on the snow pants and just head out on <laughs> um there i didn't feel like oh my gosh this is terrible growing up you know it's just kind of par for the course you don't really know anything else you know um and i enjoyed it so, and you said it was only you guys in the beginning so then did she remarry yeah she remarried now I have a bunch of siblings, half siblings, but we just call each other bro and sis and all that jazz. How big is your family? Uh, my family is four of us, kids, and two adults, so six. Oh, wow. Yeah. I have one sister and two brothers. And you guys are all close? Yeah, yeah. I, I think there was a gap 
initially. So at first I just kind of felt like they were annoying because <laughs> I was in college and they were like going through elementary school and middle school, right? Um, but now as we're getting older, it's better. Now, how many are still in Minnesota? Two of them, but they're in college now. They just decided to stay close to home, the two brothers. And your mom's still there? Yeah. So like when you go back, do you go back for holidays and? Uh, I do, I, I do. And I was there for a little bit during this whole like pandemic. Um, I was home for like a month and a half and I would drive in between Minnesota and Idaho where my girlfriend's family lives. And oh, wow. So I was a little Midwestern, Northwest journey this uh, spring. So how was it being back? Like, that's like real time. It's different when you're visiting versus when you actually kind of stay somewhere for a while. Like, how was it? Yeah. I mean, it was fine. Like, it was good to be with family. It's probably the first time we were all together in like forever. Um, it was hard with the backdrop of work. You know, um, I was blessed enough to still have lots of work to do. And for me, like, I think a lot of people got into hobbies I didn't have that luxury. In fact, I feel like my time that maybe I will, could have saved on the commute or whatever was just replaced with more work. So I was just kind of working a ton. I mean, it's interesting. I, I taught about this a lot. Like during the pandemic, the grass was greener for everyone. Like whatever was happening, everyone wanted a little bit of the other thing. So if you weren't working, you wish you were working. If you were working, you wish you had that time, all this time to like learn something new, do something new. It was just, a, it, it was, it's really fascinating. So it's interesting, but your work you said increased. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually an interesting note too on this whole sort of like grass is greener. I never really thought of it that way. Um, but now that you mention it, I could totally see, you know, if I wasn't working, I would probably be like, dang, I wish I had a job right now. Yeah. Uh, how, what, how did your job get busier? You said it got busier for you. Yeah. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, what had happened is like many businesses, we had to pivot, right? We had to understand uh, the state of the world, understand our business, how it affected it. And so there was just a lot of prep work on top of, keeping everything alive. And then you have the pressures of making sure your revenues are fine and, and all that jazz dealing with potential layoffs and um, pay reductions. And so it was just, it was a lot to deal with. It is. I was explaining that to people too. It was the same with the den that all of a sudden there was a period of time where the, it was like a startup again. And the workload that goes into a startup is insane and it's a certain energy that it takes as you know when you're starting something new you like kind of switch us you like you switch into a different energy mode yeah i personally don't love anymore i'm like okay i did that i don't want to live in that energy that's just not where i'm at in my life and so all of a sudden to be thrown back in it it was like oh my god yeah and it was a lot i mean i felt like there was even for us it was like at minimum four weeks of just insanity, like insanity, like you said, pivoting and trying to recreate and, and relearn and restructure. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. I think, um, I, it's the economy feels like it's starting to get back a little to normal. Like I go out and, and even though there's a lot of restrictions, I see a lot of people that don't care, but 
I, I think with that, it feels like there's some sort of normalcy coming. And I think we've kind of figured out a good portion of our strategies. Don't get me wrong, it's still busy, but it doesn't feel as crazy as it was initially. Well, let's talk about it. So, I mean, I love what you do, and I, I want to talk about also the incubation of how it started with you. But so the future party, which is now, yeah. I mean, it's constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. Like if you had to describe the future party when it started versus how you would describe the future party now, how yeah. would it be different? So, you know, we really started um, as a community. Uh, I, as you know, just mentioned, was born in Nigeria, grew up in Minnesota, and then you know, came out to LA to live that Hollywood dream, right? Which I, I consider a good part to be the epitome of the American dream. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what we created was a brand celebrating this ambition and aspiration other young people similar to myself had in coming out here. Because a lot of people felt underserved, marginalized, underutilized, all those buzzwords. And uh, there was a need for a real sense of community. And, and the brand we, we created was to celebrate all of that understanding that in the next five to 15 years, everyone would be um, you know, running various aspects of different industries. Mm-hmm. And so at first it was just the celebration of really awesome people that we wanted to build community around and you know, create relationships with well into the future. Uh, we catalyzed this through events, dinner, or really started as just parties, just straight up parties. But as we grew, you know, it turned into dinners and panels and thought leadership and, and beyond just like the events, you know, branded activation, so on and so forth. Today, you know, we are a media brand. And what we've done is we've evolved from uh really the the ethos of community and innovation within conversation and you know physical interaction with each other i mean we also had digital forums but um we moved into distribution like taking that i those ideals and distributing that to uh, a wider audience um creating content with the brand for the brand um you know with the community by the community um, and yeah, I would say that's kind of the, the difference, at least from a, um, maybe strategy perspective. I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but. No, no, no. But let's talk about what I find interesting about it is talk about when you set out to start doing it and you mm-hmm. see where you are now, was this the goal you had in mind or how did it evolve? Because just so you understand what I'm getting at in a sense is I feel like for anyone listening, when people are talking about you know, starting something, a lot of times, you know, they look, let's say they might look at you, mm-hmm. but look what he's doing already and look what he's accomplished. And this newsletter is amazing. Then he got bought out and then he has that. I mean, it, it's like how big and, and, and really for you, how it started, the purpose of what it started, I think, but I would love to hear you say it kind of probably evolved naturally. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to talk a little bit about that, how ideas evolve, how you have to keep flowing with what comes to you. It's not, yeah don't always start in one place. There's a way you get there. And sometimes the platform or the foundation is equally as important as yeah. what you want to get to. Yeah, it's interesting. Like when I look back on it, sometimes it feels like I always knew this was the direction. Um, but I don't think it was as straight cut. 
you know, like if I were to like take a time machine, I remember back in, in high school, you know, I was one of those kids who was wearing Chuck Taylors, listening to emo music. And I was obsessed with. Describe- my- I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. So I feel like you're still describing me. Keep going. <laughs> um, but I was obsessed with like music. I was obsessed with magazines. I used to read like alternative press and Rolling Stone. And, you know, those were the, those were the media companies back in the day, right? The cool. And I just remember always pouring through it. And um, when I made the decision to want to go out here to LA for school, I think that was still in the back of my mind. It's like, I want to do business, but like in this entertainment ecosystem. And then I worked at William Morris Endeavor and then I worked at Paramount Pictures. And, and so content and media and, you know, albeit it's transformed in different ways, has always kind of been core. You know, same with music and events and film. Like in college, I was throwing events in, um, I, I directed a, a film for school. I, I, I studied media management. And so, you know, I think for me, what happened is I was in this media space and I wanted to create community and try to, to tell stories on my own terms at the end of the day. You know what I mean? And um, it just flourished. And I liked, I, I just kind of live by this philosophy of um, as much as possible, just trying to create momentum, you know, and, and, you know, most things call for innovation and pivoting as they come, even if it's little. And so at a certain point we're like, you know, if this is going to continue, we got to, we got to shift what we're, what we're doing and how we're thinking. And, and that's how we went from, Hey, you know, like we've been throwing parties and we can't just be throwing parties for the rest of our lives. We're getting older. You know, do I want to be like 40 with a family and just throwing parties? And, you know, for some people that's cool, but, then we're like, why don't we elevate it? You know, this, the core of it is still serving our audience, right? And, and having them stay connected, stay relevant so that they can be successful. Initially, it was just manifested by connecting each other in a fun way. But then it went from that to let's help people learn, right? And that's the thought leadership aspect to our events. Um, and, you know, then it went from, well, let's expand this idea of learning. And that's what led to content. Um, and it's like, well, let's amplify connecting people. And that's what led to these dig- different digital groups that we have and so on and so forth. I love that. Talk about the difference for you of, cause you were talking about momentum and capitalizing on momentum, which you clearly have done, but talk about the difference. Like if, if someone is looking to grow a business of riding momentum, creating momentum and forcing momentum. Yeah. So, you know, it really comes down to, uh, the customer, right? Uh, what's interesting about the future party is I was doing it on the side for so long and I had full-time jobs. I even had left Paramount to work on a different startup yet over here in this corner, it just kept working, you know? And, you know, to answer your your thought process, I think it's a little bit of both. You know what I mean? I think you 
you, you do have to force yourself to think of how you can make sure the product that you're creating is, is one that people enjoy and find value in. And that, and that naturally will give you the momentum to be able to glide a little bit. Um, if that makes sense. Like once you know that you have, you are offering value, then you can pour the fuel on the fire and you know, it's really just math, right? I know this gives value to someone and that value is worth something to that person. So I need to find more people like that person who value it and at a cheaper cost at what they value it for. Mm. Um, And, you know, if you can crack that, you know, that's one side of momentum. I think another side of momentum is, is the value that you're bringing. If it is so powerful that people share and talk about it, um, that is momentum, right? You know, I think there's, there's momentum is growth at the end of the day. And I think there's a couple of different ways you can push it by paying for it. Kind of my first sort of illustration, um, or you can create content so great that it's shareable. Um, and it's interesting in this crazy world, you can put quantifiers on both, you know, it's, it's systematic and you don't always want to think that way, especially in something like what we've created that, that was very organic in its inception. Um, but as you grow, as you become a bigger business, you, you have to almost put a science behind the, the, the qualitative side of things, you know, and I think really good companies do that, you know, so. Is that interesting for you since this whole thing started as like you said, building community, building connections, helping each other, you know, I get it. I mean, I used to work in the entertainment industry too. And so much of what makes that world go around are relationships that you build, mm-hmm. you know, the deals with your friends, you get deals done faster, you connect mm-hmm. writers, whatever content all faster because of the people, you know, yep. um, does it, when you start putting the science behind it, how does that work for you as far as like the natural aspect of which it was created from to then kind of quantifying it? Yeah, I think, um, it's, and just to make sure I heard the question, right. How does it make me feel? Yeah. Like how do you, was there a period for you that it was hard to resolve? Was that an easy shift for you going like quantifying something that was about kind of natural interaction or was that an easy transition? I mean, it's been tricky, right? You know, I think like ultimately, um, we live in a world where work is a being a productive human being is is kind of a part of the process it's part of the system and many people can take what they love and turn it into a business right and oftentimes when you look at the idea of happiness i think there's happiness with friends and family and learning and spirituality and there's also happiness within your work and that's like what you enjoy doing. And um, the reality is work has rules, you know, and you, if you want to be a productive human being, you need money. That's just the fact of, 
the the life, the world that we live in. And so when it, I will say when it was initially for fun, it was, there wasn't as much pressure because it was just like, we're doing this, we're cool. We have this cool brand. And, but if we wanted to keep that going, we needed a financial infrastructure for it to work because we can't just continue doing something for fun, you know, and not understanding the, the financial, you know, ecosystem behind it, who's paying for those things as the brand's getting bigger and kind of piggybacking off of that momentum front, you know, if you're not pushing something forward, you are just going backwards. And, you know, I do believe empires rise and fall, things don't last forever. And so, you know, we had to decide, are we just doing this for fun and it'll just peter out at a certain point? Or do we really want to be fulfilled in our one life to live by this thing that we're building? And so um, all that to say, you know, I think it's just kind of the nature of the beast and we marry the science and the structure with this um, desire and push to be fulfilled in what it provides our community and us and the people we interact with. Let's talk about that a little bit because I know I've heard you talk about that and I love that about kind of representing that there's a different generation that is fulfilled by, you know, what they're producing versus necessarily the money. The money is secondary mm-hmm. and it's the action of whatever it is, community, quality, product, whatever it is that someone's working within that's yeah. uh, dominate. Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about that, because I do feel like there's a generational shift, or if anything, maybe through the pandemic, maybe just a societal shift happening. Yeah. You know, I think um, I'll give you my answer. And, you know, we're always researching things. And, you know, I feel like someone's always got like a study on Gen Z and Uh, how, how they behave. And so you know, maybe someone will contradict this, but um, from my understanding, from what I see, learn from my, you know, is that I want to bring technology into this answer, right? Because when you look at why people uh, traditionally have pushed to be productive or successful, um, I believe the idea there is freedom. I do believe that's what that's the definition of success, at least for me. It, it's it's freedom, freedom to love, freedom to live, freedom to go wherever you want, however you want, um, freedom to share, live, laugh, love, all the things, right? And I believe back in the day, it was really hard to live that life of freedom because of the nature of what was accessible. Now, many things are accessible. And I think it's easier to live a life of freedom without having a lot of money. Um, And, you know, I also think it's easier to um, use the tools that are accessible to to many to make money, um, you know, which which converts to freedom. Uh, And so... Uh, I think Gen Z is, 
in in one of two places. One, they, I think, have seen what the millennial Gen X boomer has lived. And I think they're kind of like anti that in many different capacities. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with the term OK Boomer that was really popular last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that leads to this sort of perspective on the world where they just want to make it better. They just want to connect with their friends and they just want to do things that that are fulfilling to them. Uh, I think there's a lot of joy and optimism that comes from that community, but but I think they also don't have a chip on their shoulder like maybe millennials because they've been through a lot. You know, I think millennials, we grew up and, you know, we expected a lot um, and assumed a lot. You know, really, honestly, it's kind of, the idea of how the future party was created, just this idea of like, we're driven, like, you know, we we want to take on the world and be the best that we can be. You know, there's a lot of ambition within the millennial ecosystem. And so I think with Gen Z, what, what you have is sort of a world where they, because there's a lot of accessibility don't necessarily feel the pressures to to be as driven um you know to get that freedom because they they are free in a lot of ways that's just my interpretation no that's actually really interesting the idea it's true well accessibility i remember even to the millennials when i used to give um you know I used to have to go and talk to like the younger people on how like to access the entertainment industry. And I used to say it all the time. I'm like, you guys have it so easy. You don't even know. It's like, cause people be like, how do I become a writer? I'm like, you don't have to figure out that weird way to get your script into someone's hands. It's like between Twitter and, and whatever, what everything there's, there's so many ways now to just produce your voice, mm-hmm. like create your voice and be out there. And it's amazing how it will get found. If it, you know, if it cuts through the clutter, it will get found. Mm-hmm. And, or that was already starting then and it's just expanded mm-hmm. different ways like like you said of accessibility of not feeling like in order to do one thing you have to do it exactly this way you have to be in this one place or you have to go to this one place or you have to go to school for this one thing it feels like a lot of those walls have been taken down which i i like i think is better so it is really interesting you're right it's less um there's less rules i think yeah. Well, that and also I think like your desires, uh, in my opinion, are a little bit more easily met, right? Like, again, if we were to go back, um, I don't know, 10 years, like if I'm a materialistic person and I want certain things, I believe you had to spend a lot more money to get a worse product. Whereas these days you spend that same amount of money and you get out and out of this world product and, you know, even learning, right. Learning, you had to pay a lot of money for now learning is free. Yeah. Um, and if at the very least I can, I can learn things from people on Instagram and Twitter. Yes. Whatever. If, if you have the desire to learn something, you can find a way to learn it without having to go down a traditional route of paying for higher education mm-hmm. for sure. 
Um, and same thing you're right with product it's like same thing any if someone can create a product somewhere they can get it out to people versus before people wouldn't even know that existed and you right you were funneled to one place to get whatever that desirable product was like you said it was probably shittier for sure and you were stuck in your communities right if you think back even like 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 I, I like to think about the dating example sometimes <laughs> right like 50 years ago you know um you're generally falling in love with the people within your community, right? right? Um, unless you go off somewhere new, but to contact that person, you're writing letters, right? Is really, it's like the, the thing, but now you can swipe right or left on someone in Europe. If you, if you live in LA, you know, and so you, you can find what you want. And at the same, that's not always good either. You know what I mean? I think, I think this idea of accessibility has caused confusion and anxiety for many people um, because, yeah, I mean, I think two ways. One, there's so many options. I think it becomes overwhelming. Um, and I think often um, the accessibility can fuel ego um, because you want what you want and you know you can find what you want. But I don't know necessarily in every single instance and category if that's the way necessarily to live life um and i mean i think you should want what you want and, and find enjoyment but i i find that um there can sometimes be a loss of patience um in people because of this idea that they are entitled or can get what they want if that makes sense um yeah for sure i mean freedom is just an interesting topic period because mm -hmm. you're free until you're not and that and the limitations on freedom can come from many different sources like you said it can come from yourself it can come from ego it's not always it's not always outwardly put on you a restriction of freedom but how but talk a little bit because i know you've talked about this before too the idea of you know we started talking about it this blending of freedom and work mm -hmm. of you know, in the past, it was kind of like you worked for your retirement. You, you know, you worked as hard as you could so that you could then have freedom. It's like, like you said, the goal was still freedom. I yeah. think the goal was more freedom down the road. Yeah. And was, it was like sacrifice now for freedom later. Yeah. Yet now, I feel like what everyone is learning, but like you said, especially this younger generation, is how can you mix the two? How can one fuel the other? I agree. Um, but I would also add that I think there were, there were little pieces of freedom in this sort of nine to five work for retirement, right? Uh, and I think that was within your day, right? It, I think it, it was work for retirement, but I also think it was like, for most people, like that was it. It's like they found their freedom in working nine to five and clocking out and not having to worry. You know, I just actually read a meme <laughs> the other day and it was basically, uh, I'll try to describe it as best as I can, this young man helping his grandma walk. And she was just like, the, the quote was like, in my day, we used to work nine to five and turn off and didn't have to do anything until the next day. And he responded, all right, grandma, let's go. Like, you know, like, like kind of like an okay boomer, like, okay, let's get you to bed. Sort of like. like <laughs> exactly. And so 
you know, I think, I, I think, again, I would say because of this sort of like lack of technology, lack of too many inputs, I think yeah. people were more were almost more free too, in a way. They, they didn't have anything to, to need. I say that all the time because I, having done a major career shift, everyone, you know, always comes up to me. And I say, and I have friends who are still, you know, running departments at Netflix, they're all in it. And I, I say, and I can feel it and I see it. And they always have those moments. They're like, oh, I just want to switch it. I go, you guys, we, my generation, I go, we were the first generation that, had didn't have the cutoff like i remember when i like started my first job and i was handed the cell phone i was handed i go we were the first ones that had that shift where all of a sudden it wasn't nine to five anymore your boss or you or whomever could constantly be working you you can wake up i mean we all do it it's like you can get on your phone and answer the thing in the middle of the night if you fell asleep and there was an email that came in yeah you and in a weird way you're almost expected to work around the clock because you have that access and if something's going on you keep it going and i said there's a level of burnout that is different versus a nine to five if you actually clock the hours working before the retirement and then you clock the hours someone's working out we're like we hit retirement like 15 years ago (laughs) but it's true it's like um, like physically what you can handle your capacity of what you can handle and also interest-wise, for me, it becomes an interest thing. It's like I then I'm like, okay, I got to shift and like change because you do so much at such an intensity for such amount of time that if you were extending that from nine to five for X amount of years, you would go longer. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting. It's just a different way your brain operates, your body operates. And yeah, you're a little bit, you have to work harder now, as we all know. I mean, that's so in the zeitgeist, but you have to work harder of setting those limitations. Yeah. Limitations? What'd you say? You have limitations? You know, it's something I'm working on, to be quite honest. You know, I feel like um, I'm probably similar to uh, lots of people in, and you probably relate, um, in sort of the entertainment industry and the tech industry. And I think work can often take a priority um, in hopes of that sort of freedom, right? Many people work hard for the promotion. They work hard to have money. They work hard for ego. And, you know, in my case, I've always worked hard because, you know, I want to get to a place where I can um, support friends, family, and colleagues. You know, I would love to be at a place where I can not only be free for myself, but I can be free for, I can provide freedom for the people around me. Um, And, and, what I'm realizing is that I also need to make sure that I'm doing that now with my time, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be financially or, or, you know, materialistic, right? Um, but I found that sometimes like going on this path for this thing, it's like these people are still around me. And I oftentimes I find myself, you know, struggling to actually maintain those things that I want to maintain, right? Like spending quiet time, you know, praying, meditating, all of those things, um, actually hanging out with my friends, um, being, you know, attentive to my girlfriend, uh, constantly calling my family and checking in on them, reading, like just like learning, just to like learn more about the world. And so these are things that I'm working on to set limitations so that I can 
have these little freedoms now, you know, and connect and be fulfilled now, not just once I've accomplished, quote unquote, what I need to accomplish, which is really all in your head at the end of the day. Um, so all that to say, uh, limitations, I'm working. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I have a really fun opportunity for you guys. You know I don't wear a ton of makeup, um, and when I do, I like to look completely natural and be good for me. So I'm obsessed with Thrive Cosmetics because they are vegan and cruelty-free. They're Leaping Bunny and PETA certified, so you know they're not messing around. And they're formulated without parabens, sulfates, and phthalates. So again, we do so many episodes about this. What you put in your skin and in your body is so important. So I love how clean they are. Also, they donate every time you buy something. They donate to women, products, and money. So that's pretty incredible. So anyway, my favorite thing from Thrive that I've been wearing the most lately because I don't wear a lot is their mascara. Immediate looks like you got extensions. So it just shows off your eyes in two seconds and it is clean. It actually won Glamour's Best Clean Beauty product of 2020 for Best Mascara. That's how incredible it is. So why is this fun for you? Go now, go to thrivecosmetics.com slash Dentox. If you do the slash Dentox, you get 15% off anything you order. Again, thrivecosmetics.com slash Dentox. Now here's the thing. Thrive Cosmetics is spelled C-A-U-S-E, not how you typically spell cosmetics because get it? Thrive for a cause because they donate every time you buy something. So Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E dot com slash Dentox and get your 15% off. How, you know, I, I know I heard you say once that you say you try not to say no to anybody. So, I mean, speaking of limitations, has that changed for you at all? Like, I mean, it is hard if you're constantly, I mean, it's lovely, but mm-hmm. it is really hard if you're constantly giving. And as you grow in your field, I'm sure the asks become greater and more. Um, do you feel like you still try and not ever say no? Or have you learned a polite no? Uh, I try... I do try not to say no to people. Um, I think it's part of me is just wanting to help as much as I can. Um, I think I all I will always try to find something 
uh, even if that thing is just giving feedback or spending less time, um, you know, because again, like my goal is to just help as many people as possible. And so, um, you know, I think it's, it's using no within the right capacity. Like if someone wants to meet and I'm in a really busy season, like maybe it's not saying, no, I can't hang out with you. Right. It's just setting some time, three, four weeks down the line and actually saying, Hey, we can chat here. Or maybe it's like, let's get on a call first and chat and, and, and measure what it is that is really needed at the time, you know, cause sometimes people want to hang out just to build relationships. Sometimes it's for business. Um, so I do believe that no is powerful and no can, can help you. Um, I think I try not to say no to relationships when it comes to business. I think I've gotten better at saying no, like saying no to the wrong opportunities or to opportunities that are just as good as they seem may take us down the wrong path um, or saying no to taking on new responsibilities. Um, yeah, because it's hard because you are clearly a giver. I mean, I feel like it's creating the community to start with and then creating content that helps people like where you've evolved to. You, you, and even from this conversation, you can hear you're clearly a giver. And that's always a tricky place to be because, you know, you know, we all, we all know the giving tree story, but it's like at a certain point, how do you take care? How do you make sure that you stay full enough that you have stuff to give? Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, again, it's something I'm working on, right? Because the more that I am giving and doing things, the less I have to fill back up, you know what I mean? And, and time is, I think, the, the best resource, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the most important and precious resource. And, uh, you sleep? What'd you say? Sleep? Uh, I do. I try to get seven. I usually get around six or seven hours. That's good. Yeah. I, I feel like I've gotten, sometimes it's five, but <laughs> I, I feel like I need, I need sleep. And I, and like, it's the, it's the one thing that like, I, I try to make it up even if I can't, you know what I mean? Cause yeah. Anyways. So talk to me a little bit about since what you created is about community, you're still creating community. There's a digital version of the community through events. Twofold, how has community changed for you during a pandemic where you can't throw, or maybe you can, you're not throwing the same events in person, I'm assuming. Um, so how, how, has, how do you feel like community has evolved through this pandemic? How do you feel like it's important through this pandemic? Um, and in general, how do you feel like for you, through everything that's happened, the pandemic, through the resurgence of Black Lives Matter, through all of that stuff, how do you feel like, has it changed for you what you want the community to look like or serve? Yeah, so I think um, the pandemic inhibited this idea of getting together initially. I think now people are getting together. They're just doing it in a more trusted, smaller way predominantly and there's some people who are still going out i think i think the community right now feels um a little what's the word i'm looking for 
just like all over the place, right? It's a little scattered um, in that I, I know that many people can feel isolated during this time, um, you know, because I think there are, there are serendipitous moments of community that are lost when you're not able to just walk around. You know, I find that I, I feel like as LA, in LA, the older you get, the smaller the city becomes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of that is because um, as individuals, similar individuals, we like to go to similar places, right? And so, you know, I feel like on any given day, you could go out and run into someone you know. Yeah. And that was honestly like such a great way of building community because it, it felt like a community. You'd go out into the world and you would see people and you could catch up with people. You could reignite, you know, relationships. But now it's like you have to be really intentional. There's no serendipity as much. And, you know, it, it's, it can sometimes feel a little programmatic to get on a zoom and catch up with someone or hop on the phone and not to say you can't, but those are just like little things that are lost. And for us, we have like a bunch of digital forums for, um, for different types of people to help at least build connection and relationship. And I think that's been beneficial. And then we have a virtual event series that helps as well. Um, but you don't necessarily see those people. I think it's additive. Um, it's, it's additive to a physical community, but now it's like the thing you need to do to like keep the relationship going essentially. Um, I think that with Black Lives Matter and everything that's going, I think it's interesting, like the, the election as a backdrop, right? Like this year was really hard for a lot of people and I mean, for the world. Um, and I think the, this next month, these next two months will be even harder. And honestly, for us, there are different types of communities. We try to be a community that's a support system for your career. And I think we do that because we try to be careful not to dive into things that um, can, can cause rifts in community, like, like who you're voting for, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like hot button issues that, you know, really the Supreme Court is, should be tackling. Um, and you know, I, we generally stay away from talking about those or having opinions on those. I think the George Floyd incident was a little different for many reasons, but I think ultimately that felt like a life or death sort of scenario. Like we were talking about the lives of a people group, which in my opinion, it doesn't matter your religion. It doesn't matter your orientation doesn't matter. Um, Affiliation. Yeah. Like life, everyone deserves a life. Um, And so we took a stance for that because it felt like a life or death sort of situation. And we said, you know, that's interesting. 
was it a conversation for you guys since you have kind of these clear rules about like no politics, basically, let's make this a safe atmosphere for anyone. So mm -hmm. when that happened, when like Black Lives Matter became, so was that a conversation for you guys or was did it just happen? Did you guys have to sit down and talk about, is this something we wanna cover? Uh, it didn't really feel too much like a conversation. It felt rather quick. Um, but again, I think we still did, did it in a future party way where, what? for example, like the, some of the stories we started to showcase were more just sharing positive stories about the innovation happening since the issue, right? Uh, like we recently did a piece on how there's um, a, an organization that's helping more black people join a board of directors within, you know, corporations across America, like things like that, right? But we didn't necessarily go on a tangent, you know, on our views. We just had a statement and said, we believe, you know, Black Lives Matter. You know, it's, and it's real, what's really interesting too with that is like, I believe people who say Black Lives Matter do it because they believe all lives matter. You know what I mean? It's, it's interesting because you have, but I, I actually believe the people who say all lives matter are really focused on themselves. Mm -hmm. you know I mean? They're not. It's so fascinating because I agree with you. It's like when you say Black Lives Matter, you are saying all lives matter. And people who say all lives matter are basically saying, shut the fuck up about Black Lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so anyways, um, to that end, uh, that's how we kind of address that issue. And I think moving forward, we'll probably stay in line with you know, we want to focus on on innovation, uh, on your your career path. Like, let your views be your views. Um, but you know, Facebook trying something new is universal, right? Like, the the new latest invention from Elon Musk will could affect you, and you should know about it. But we don't we don't as it stands now feel the need to tell you how to believe in one way. And honestly, that that's really kind of the ethos of the future party, right? I like to tell people around me, like, we are above and beyond politics and these issues, you know, like, not to say they aren't important, they're very important. But we believe a path forward to actually helping the world is empowering really smart people with how to innovate and um, be successful and chase freedom so that they can help other people. Um, and that's our focus ultimately. Were you, I mean, I love that. Were you as a kid, did you have a lot of friends? Like were you, cause I just, I love this idea of community for you that I feel like you're just, it's so important to you. Is this just something as a kid, were you always gathering people? Were you? Yeah, um, as, I mean, it's interesting, right? I grew up like one of the only black people in a Midwestern town. <laughs> Um, in, in ways I feel like, yeah, I always had like a, a group of friends and, um, it's interesting though, too, because I, I identify as both an extrovert and an introvert, maybe even more introverted lately. Um, I think, I think a lot of that might have to do with the existential crisis I'm, I'm working on, which I, you know, alluded to, which is like, how can you push forward your vision, be a productive person chasing freedom, yet still 
maintain the the things in front of you that actually make you happy now and yeah, maintain your freedom. yeah and so you know i i'm i'm constantly working to maintain what i feel like i had all my childhood right which was just like a constant just like revolving door of of friends and support and joy and and all of that so yeah sounds like you had a great childhood <laughs> i mean it was, it was good you know i mean no childhood is perfect but oh. um i don't think i would take back you know, where i where i came from or how how i grew up you know it makes you did you were you ever longing for a black community or like did you long for that do you feel like you created some of that for yourself within the community or no it, it's interesting um i'm going to use this as an opportunity to to articulate some things but what what people might not know is that there's a lot of uh africans in minnesota um there's actually a decent nigerian community out there and there's a lot of Somalians, there's a lot of Sudanese, um, Ethiopians. I think they all came over through like refugee programs. Um, and so I always had like uh, an, a Nigerian community that was really strong. You know, in certain instances, I felt like I was still in Nigeria. <laughs> um, but, <you> know, <laughs> but I never thought about it. I just lived. And in ways I think it, I, along the way, I interacted with people who, as I just lived, you know, I would encounter people who would be like, oh, you're, you're not black. Like, you know, you, you look how you talk, look, like, look how you dress. And, and, I, and at first, I think I didn't really understand the, the, I don't know, I don't know if power is the right word behind those words. But as I've grown older and still have certain friends or people saying those things, sometimes as a joke, I mean, most times as a joke, is like, I think they need to understand the definition of being a black person, right? And I think that's the existential sort of issue that's happened with George Floyd, that I think people need to understand what's between the lines, which is, you know, now when I hear that, I actually say, look, like the fact that you think that my skin color is determined by my behavior is wildly incorrect, right? They expected a black person to talk a certain way, look a certain way. So then I wasn't black, right? And, you know, I mentioned all these things because you said, did I search for a black community? Well, it's like I was kind of in one, right? And I just want to make sure that people listening and understanding know that if I was searching for one, it's not a black community that may pop up in your mind as what a black community is. You know, I really want people to understand. It's important to understand this because I feel like a lot of the systemic racism and a lot of police brutality comes from feeling that the skin color is attached to a behavior. Yeah. Right. It's why many black men get shot without sort of any benefit of the doubt. It's because cop is trained to think that any black person has this particular proclivity to acting in a certain way. It's why, you know, 
many people in many different instances feel that. And so um, was I searching for a black community? Not really, you know, I was just living and I had a lot of white friends. Most of my friends were white, you know, if I get married soon, most of my procession will probably be white, which is quite interesting, you know, and, um, but I still feel just as part of the black community as, as can be. And I think a lot of it is because one, I'm just someone who uh, loves to connect with people. And I do have a lot of black friends in my community. And two, I, my skin color shows that I am a part of the black community. You know what I mean? Um, and so, yeah, sorry, long answer to just- No, it's, it's a great answer. Cause I think it's, it, it's important and you're right. It's, it's the skin I mean, even white people should know that if we looked, if we just pan just the U.S. alone, your skin color clearly doesn't show behavior pattern because we all behave so differently. And there's so many different ways of being no matter what your skin color is. So yeah. it's, it's true. It's, it's really important. Do you feel like any of your relationships have shifted? Like since, you know, George Floyd, have there any, been any like conversations or things like this that have come up for you that you're like, you're seeing different parts of people that you might not have seen before? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen lots of things, you know, and I think it, I think overall it's brought fruitful conversations. Um, you know, at the same time I have, they've been fruitful and some have been a little tense and some have been a little worrying, you know, I think, I think the thing that I've found the most interesting is individuals who look at it with a skeptical eye. Um, I think I think it's important to be skeptical in ways, and I think that keeps people safe and it in ways it breeds innovation. But you know, for me, I, I always found it really interesting, and in there's people I've interacted with, there's things that I've seen online where um, it almost felt that like the issue couldn't be the issue. Like, like for example, um, which you've probably heard, George Floyd got killed. Well, what was he doing? What did he do before? Like, you know what I mean? Or police br brutality is a major issue in the United States. Well, black cops kill, you know, black men or, uh, you know, white on white you know, white cops kill more white people than possible, you know, or, or then black people get killed. Um, or even things with like um, kneeling, right? Well, they're the flag. And it's just like, I, I, for me, I'm just genuinely curious. And it's something that I'm just really trying to understand what about those issues. Because it almost feels like when people are bringing those things up, they're scared, you know, and I'm not saying those people are racist, but I'm just, I'm almost curious the, the need they feel to bring up this other side for like what reason. So I'm just thinking out loud with you. It's just because I've encountered it a lot and I just don't understand it. I think people are scared because in their minds, that means something will change and people just don't like anything changing. I'm with you. I remember when the Ahmed Aubrey stuff came out right when it first came out, nobody knew what happened. And at first I feel like someone was saying something like, Oh, he was seen robbing a store or something. I think there was like talk of that. 
And so they were doing exactly what you said. It's like, but he was robbing a store. And I was like, I don't give a shit if he robbed the whole store. That gives nobody the right to chase him down the street and kill him. Like it's, even if that were the case, which it clearly wasn't, I was like, there's still no version of that that excuses this behavior. Like there's nothing that man could have done. And same thing with George Floyd. I hear, trust me, I, I've been in arguments with many family members, by the way. But when I hear the like, oh, he had drugs in his system, I'm like, oh my God, go test your kids right now, by the way. Like, I mean, come on. And that doesn't, again, excuse the behavior. It doesn't matter what his record is. It doesn't matter what happened in that moment. I mean, I'm with you. It really frustrates me, the buts, buts. Did you know this? And it's like, but that's not the point. It's what you said earlier in this conversation of, you know, everyone deserves to live. Yeah. I think what's interesting too, is that, uh, you know, many white people in that situation would have been given the benefit of the doubt. Right. And look, maybe maybe some were killed as well, but you know, the reality is that there's probably a good number of people that if that happened to a white person, they wouldn't be like, Oh, what was he doing? You know what I mean? By the way, this this happens oftentimes, you know, when it comes to issues with, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go here, but like with with rape, right? Um, mm-hmm. If uh, sometimes when a woman has a really bad situation of sexual assault, uh, oftentimes people are like, "Well, were you drinking? Yeah, were, were you walking by yourself? What were you wearing? What were you wearing? Um, what did you do?" make the man do that to you. And, you know, maybe a larger theme beyond just this race thing, but it's like, like, can, like, it's, it's almost like we're justifying the behavior of something that's wrong regardless, you know? Um, it's, and so, no, I, so yeah. So I just, sorry. no, yeah. No, it, it's it's so true. And it's interesting because like now you have like a platform and you form community, but it is interesting. I think it's interesting how you guys have decided to handle it. So it's like you address it, but you're trying to address it in a different angle. Yeah, I just, I think ultimately like one of the big reasons too is that like human beings are just egotistical on both sides. And um Many people don't know how to handle their emotions. Many people, you know, um, can't, there's a lot of people who aren't accepting, you know, and I think that I believe that I don't I just don't want it to be a barrier for what I think is good for them. Right. And I think, I think tolerance is, is, in ways good, right? Obviously there's things that you shouldn't be tolerant about, but you know, I think we just don't want to ostracize individuals when we believe what we're doing is for all people. And I think people will exclude themselves. You know, I'm sure you know people who are such Trump diehard fans that they almost like hate people who are Democratic and vice versa. Oh yeah, I see. No, but to the point of like exclusion. But how do we change if we don't hold like come together and keep those relationships and 
as tough as they are, have them, you know, it's, t- it's hard. It's hard. It, it, but, yeah. It's really hard. And I, you know, talking about content and I've said this on the show before in this podcast where I do really recommend, you know, you hear people all the time, they sweep through their Facebook and they erase anyone who touts Trump or touts this. And I always say like, I refuse to do that. Mm-hmm. I just refuse to do it for a few reasons. A, if we just, if everyone keeps siloing and making it smaller and smaller, their little world that matches their own point of view, none of this is ever going to heal because it's just going to be two small points of view that are just going to be growing within their own silo and then against each other. I think it's really important to know how other people think and what they're thinking and to remember that it's not always what you think, Mm -hmm. whether you agree with it or not. So I always strongly recommend for people not to clean house, not to get rid of it because and by the way, I haven't watched, uh, what's the Netflix social, what's the, mm-hmm. yeah, I haven't watched it yet, so I have to watch it. But from what I hear, this supports a little bit of what I'm saying is that it starts to just funnel to you the things that you think so that everything that's coming to you, every piece of news, every meme, anything that comes your way just supports your own thinking, which to me, I was like, yes, even more reason why I think you should not be deleting people or moving people that have opposing view thoughts of you because I find that then you're creating your own danger. You're becoming the same problem on the other side. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I think I think having varying viewpoints and talking to people is the best way for growth. You know what I mean? Um, I think, again, the hard part is when it comes to politics, at least, it's like so ingrained in our way of life. It's religion, it's race, it's work, it's, you know, and... Um, I understand in ways how people are so passionate about it. I think what's scary for me, though, is that many people latch on to the division of it. Like, so anyways. I, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think people fuel, like you were saying, there's almost a fuel to the fire of the division. It becomes the fight of the war versus actually trying to create peace like people get more into that energy. It's like what we were talking about earlier. It's like that startup. It's a very masculine, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but it's that masculine, like, do, figure it out, create, and it's like you get kind of stuck in it that sometimes you don't have the ability. Same thing, like in a startup, it's like you're in it and you have to take those beats to be able to go, wait, 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 like, let me like take a breath to see the bigger picture again before I get into the like execution of every little thing. And it's the same thing in this. It's like you get so tied into kind of the war of it, the fighting, trying to make sure you're right and prove the point that you actually forget how to bridge any of those gaps. Yep, totally, totally. make sure you guys are taking advantage of this opportunity with denanywhere.com, a monthly subscription for only $29.99 where you can take all live classes with us any time of day and archive classes. So if the times of days don't work for you, the classes are archived and you can go back and take them then as well or take your favorites over and over and over again. Plus, if you're looking for certifications or challenges or workshops, anything. We have so much on denanywhere.com and we do virtual workshops every single week. So please join us. You can join us from anywhere in the world. That's what's amazing. Let's keep growing this community. And we love that now our community can grow past Los Angeles. We'll see you at denanywhere.com. Well, you're amazing. Let me do the four yous, which are four quick questions for the audience. Um, If there was one book that influenced you immensely, what would it be? Wow. Um, 
I would say uh, Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson. Um, I love biopic type content and that book uh, gave me like such a passion to go try to, to do something impactful. Um, just hearing his story. So. I love that. What do you do when you first wake up in the morning? Uh, I, um, this is not good, but oftentimes I will um, get right to work. But what I am pushing towards and what I will um, sometimes do is uh, pray um, and, and read um, before kind of attack, attacking the day. And that's something that I plan to do more of because it's just a great centering. That makes sense. Yeah. We're going to check in and see how you do. Mm-hmm. Is there something right now that you just can't live without? Something I can't live without. Um, faith. Mm, I like that. If you could give one piece of advice to someone who's trying to figure out what to do with their life, what would it be? I would say, um, make sure you learn, uh, and learn from the people around you and learn from the information that's accessible to you. Um, it's all there, you know, and, and then what you do is you apply that learning. That's the key. I love that. A lot of people do skip the learning mm-hmm. and they don't realize how important it is. And yeah. we're always learning. That's what you want to tell everyone. It doesn't stop. Like you're always learning. And there's always, especially like with you said earlier with the accessibility, there's always something to learn. It's just yeah. always. Um, okay, great. I, we're going to do your personal practice, which is a passage from the Bible. Yeah. Go ahead. So uh, I'm just going to read this. Um, So basically one uh, passage that's one of my favorite verses is uh, 1 John 4.18. And it just says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Um, one of my, um, I don't know if you've heard of my intent, but it's, it's a bracelet that uh, gives your intention. And, and one year I uh, wrote, love is greater than fear. And what I've realized in my life is oftentimes I feel afraid to do certain things. And when I, when I really dive into that fear, I think it's because of what I'm, of myself. Right. And when I read that, I tried to start applying that to different things. And I realized that when I look at it from the lens of love, I'm actually not as afraid, you know, because I know my intentions and I know, you know, why I'm doing something. I, I, I have a belief system that's positive and um, yeah. So that's uh passage that I really enjoy. That's so beautiful. I love that. 
Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for this. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being open. Thank you for what you do. Everybody go, is there any, anything you want to throw on here? We'll have everything on your page, but any places you want people to check out? Yeah. Um, it was really fun. Thank you for having me. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, just Boye, uh, futureparty.com for our newsletter and to, to learn more about what we do. And I'm always down to just chat about life or, or things, business, stuff like this. So just Boye at futureparty.com. Though we're creating limitations for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, we're, but we're creating limitations, but I'll still, I'll still talk to you. still get back to you. Um, and yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, you're amazing. This was great. Thank you, boy. I really appreciate it. Likewise. Ted Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.